Almighty God, we thank you for the privilege it is to come before you and open your word, a privilege that we take for granted, um, a privilege that we don't indulge in often enough. May you work in our hearts. May you teach us uh, to trust you and to be patient um, and to wait upon you. May you uh, guide us and help us by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I see there's a few visitors. Welcome. Great to see you guys. Um, why don't I just give a quick overview uh, so that you know where we're at. Uh, we're talking about virtues. Uh, we're talking about what does it look like to live the Christian life. Um, and what we looked at was uh, in Scripture, Deuteronomy 6.4 is kind of the key to understanding virtue and what it means uh, to love God. And in Deuteronomy, what he, uh, God says is, love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with all of your uh, soul, and with all of your might. And what we said was, well, this means that we need to love God with our minds, with our thoughts. Uh, this also means that we need to love God with our hearts, um, and we need to love him with our life, with all that we have. So that's the, the three categories that we're examining virtues. So we've been looking at uh, how do we love God with our minds? What are the virtues associated with that? So we talked about courage, um, we talked about trusting God, and we talked about truthfulness. Um, so last week, uh, with truthfulness, we said that we, we love God with our minds by pursuing truth, uh, by loving truth, which means we have to be honest with ourselves. All right, we need to admit that we're sinners. We need to repent. Um, and we also need to be truthful with each other, even if that means having conversations that are difficult or uh, being honest with each other when it's hard and uncomfortable. Um, but that's how we love the Lord, is we speak the truth in love to each other. Uh, that's how we love God with our minds. So we've been talking about all of that. Um, and for those of you who've been here for a few weeks, maybe you remember that we were supposed to do patience and perseverance like the second week. Um, and I pulled the rug out from you and said, no, actually, we're going to do that later. So you're going to get to find out why we're doing it later because we're doing it today. Um, so this week is a little bit of a transition uh, because we've been focusing on what does it mean to love God with our minds. Um, another way to put it, how does our faith affect uh, how we live? How does faith affect the virtues and how we exhibit those virtues? Um, how, do, how that gets into our hearts, gets into our character, so that faith produces things like courage, trust, and truthfulness. Um, we love God with our minds, right, by being courageous, by trusting Him, by pursuing the truth. Um, but this virtue, patience, uh, actually walks a tightrope between loving God with your mind um, and loving God with your heart. Uh, and on the one hand, right, patience has to do with how we conform ourselves, our thoughts, um, uh, what we think about things, how we pursue things. Um, but it also connects to the heart. It also connects to how we, what we desire, um, how we exhibit those desires. Uh, and most importantly, it connects to hope. So if the mind and faith are connected, the heart and hope are connected. And what... Paul will say in Romans 8, and this was the, this was the pivotal verse for me, um, what he says is, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So patience has to do with hope, right? Clearly they're connected by Paul, um, but we can also see the ways that it might be connected to the mind, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but before we, we get into patience itself, right, maybe we need to take a few minutes and think about hope. So we've done faith, right? We've talked about faith. We talked about loving God with your mind. 
what that looks like in your daily life, right? It looks like being faithful with little things, trusting him, uh, being courageous in uncomfortable situations and standing for the truth. It looks like conforming your thoughts, right? Thoughts are not neutral, and we have to conform those in the image of Christ. But now we're going to talk about the heart. We're going to talk about hope uh, and how those are connected and what that looks like for us. Um, so what do you think? What, what is hope for the Christian? What is hope? You've probably seen verses throughout Scripture about hope. Um, what do you think it is? Any thoughts at all? Confidence. Confidence. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, hope and confidence go together, like lemonade and iced tea. What else? What else is hope? Believing what God word, God's word tells us. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew, did you have your hand up? Definitely, yeah. Hope has to do with waiting because that means that there's something that we're waiting for. Uh, John? Um, sure, something that's unseen. Perhaps mm-hmm. something that's uh, hoped for, but um, being certain of that. Yeah. There's a, there's a certainty for something that we haven't received that we still hope to receive. Great, yeah. Definitely, I think you, you're... You're all hitting on really good aspects of hope. There's something about it that is that has confidence, right? This is not some vague notion of, well, I hope that things get better. This is a confidence that, that the Lord is going to act and that we're waiting on him. And also, yeah, Christ is our hope. There's, uh, Christ himself is the object of our hope. Um, and then, something unseen, like John just said. Actually, in Romans 8, what I just read, the verse before says, um, now hope that is seen is not hope. Right? For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So hope has to do with, okay, there's something that I desire that I don't have, but I am confident that I will have it, and all I need to do is wait. That sounds a lot like patience, right? That sounds very much like hope and patience are, are connected, that they're flowing in the same direction. Um, uh, Pastor Mark over in Tri-Cities uh, gave this little definition for hope. Hope is faith projected into the future. Um, and that stuck with me, that faith is, is about now. It's about trusting God in the moment. But then hope takes that faith and says, well, what about the future? It's the same thing. It's just something that we don't see. It's something that we're waiting for, anticipation. Um, it takes the present reality right, of God's character, of God's promises, um, of what he has said will happen, what is true and good, 
uh, and stretches that into the unseen future, an area that we very much know we don't have control over. And so there's, there's a few things that make Christian hope uh, very different from worldly hope. Um, and we've already touched on some of the things that we think hope is, so let's bring that together. What, what are the differences between a Christian hope and a worldly hope? Yeah, absolutely. There is a foundation to hope. It's not, it's not a wish for something that I hope this is going to happen. You know, I hope that I get married one day, or I hope that I'm, I'm going to retire and have enough money. It's a foundation on the Lord that says, I am hoping in, in someone and not just in something. Yeah, what else? Mark, or, uh, <laughs> sorry, Will. Yeah. So maybe you could say that there's a difference of desire, that the hope is looking for a different desire, that a worldly hope has a very different object, um, that what the world hopes for, um, you know, a cushy life or security, um, some sense of, of being full, of having the things that you want, that's not what the Christian hope is. Christian hope says, I'm going to suffer. I didn't, I didn't become a Christian because I thought this would be the easy path. And if you did, then you're going to find out very quickly that being a Christian is not the easy path. If you want the easy path, don't be a Christian. If you want the real path, if you want the truth, be a Christian. But know that you're going to have to undergo trials. And that means that you have to put your desires in the right place. That if you're following the Christian life thinking, it's going to lead you to, um, to what the prosperity preachers say it is, Right? Those who love God, he's going to give them money. He's going to give them health. You're going to have a big house. You're going to have a Corvette. You're going to have a really great wife, and your kids are going to be awesome, and your life is going to be beautiful, and you're going to retire at 45. Uh, you're going to have $16 million in the bank account, and you're going to be on your yacht for the rest of your life. Or maybe that's just me. But if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. But the Christian life says we actually need to put our desires in the right place that those things are not worth desiring, not worth hoping for. But actually, when we order our desires in the right way, and this is how hope and the heart go like this, right? It's because our heart is about our desires. It's about the things that we want, the things that we pursue, um, the things that seem good and right to us. And when our heart is in the right place, our hope will be in the right place, and that will lead us to patience. Here's a couple of verses that illustrate, um, illustrate these things. Lamentations 3, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Do you see how the Lord, the Lord is what I need and what I have. I don't need the rest of those things. I don't need a yacht. I don't need financial security. I have God. He's my portion. Or Psalm 130, O Israel, hope in the Lord. 
For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Right? That's the confidence and the foundation of hope. Not me. Right? I don't hope in, in, in what I'm going to achieve for myself or what I'm going to be able to get. We hope because we have a God who is faithful and good um, and in whom is redemption. Um, another way to think about it is that worldly hope is very me-focused, um, very now-focused. I want this for myself, and I want it now. Right? We, we live in an instant gratification culture where you can probably satisfy the desires of your heart very, very quickly. You want junk food? Go to the store. It's like a buck. Right? You, you want uh, intimacy? You can go online and get it instantly. You can satisfy all the desires instantly, but when it comes to faith, God says there are things that you will want and that you can't have yet. Um, and so we have to practice the virtues that flow out of our heart, that flow out of our hope, um, because the world says now, Give it to me now. God says, you will get it when I give it. And you need, to, you need to wait on me. So hope has to do with our desires, right? What do we want? We're called to desire him. Hope has to do with our satisfaction. What satisfies you? What makes you feel full and whole and at home? It should be the things of the Lord. It should be what he gives. God should be your portion. And if you're seeking your satisfaction in worldly things that promise it, but don't deliver it, you're going to live a life completely unsatisfied and never really understanding why. Um, and hope is future-oriented. It has to do with, yeah, we don't have everything that we want right now. And if we want the right things, that means we want to be in the presence of God. We want to see him face to face. We want to be sinless. We want our bodies to be fixed. We want our relationships to be healed. We want to be at home with God. And we don't have those things yet. We have them in small ways. Uh, but we're obviously looking forward to something coming. And so these uh, hope then flows into these different virtues. Uh, like patience. So I, I hope you can start to see why patience kind of bridges the gap between loving God with our minds and loving him with our hearts. Uh, so let's talk about that for a second. How does patience uh, have to do with loving God with our minds? And how does it have to do with loving God with our hearts? Those two different categories. What do you think? What does patience have to do with our minds? Yeah, if your mind's not in the right place, you're not going to be patient. You're going to be focused on something else. But again, it allows us to trust in the providence of God. Yeah, you, to be patient, you have to trust God. Right? You, if you're not trusting God, you're not going to be very patient. What about the now versus later? 
if, if faith is about the moment and when we are trusting God in the moment, then patience is also about the moment, right? Because in the moment, we have to be patient because we don't have what we want yet, even if what we want is a good thing, if it's to be with the Lord um, or to, to have everything fixed, Yeah. And, and so it's, it's just kind of a circular thing, it seems like. You can't have hope without faith, and faith, you know, leads you to hope. Yeah. And because you have the knowledge of God. Yeah. That's, that's the peculiar thing about trying to separate all these into nice little neat categories is they're just not quite like that, right? Everything is interconnected. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. To, to say what you just said, when we know God, right, that's an aspect of our minds to know God that will affect in the moment our patience. Because when you stop knowing God when you, or you don't know who he is, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to lose sight of what God is doing, of who he is. It's going to lead you to hopelessness, um, to despair, to impatience, uh, all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah, patience. Patience is responding to God in the moment with faith. Yeah. I was just thinking in Psalm 42 along that. It says, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why do you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So I think we really need that when we are downcast, we can do it again. Yeah. Having that hope. Yeah. Our hearts are, are straight up dumb. Sometimes our hearts are really dumb. And it's like we need to corral them, uh, lasso them, and, and push them in the right direction. Right? Why are you downcast? Hope in the Lord. Look to him. And so if the mind is about conforming our thoughts, right? Loving God with our hearts means conforming our emotions. Conforming our desires to God. We'll talk about conforming emotions um, later with a different virtue as well, because I think that's really important. Um, Self-control is not just about our actions, right? But it's also about, well, when you have a wrong emotion, it's tempting to just think that that's, that's what's true. I feel this, therefore it's true. Um, but God says, well, if you love me with your hearts, that means you have to love me with your emotions. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. So what does patience have to do with our hearts? Hopefully I didn't give it all away. How do we love the Lord with our hearts by being patient? How do those connect? Well, 
Uh, we already talked about our desires. John? Yeah. 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 Where we learn that from? We learn that from God's word, right? Of course. Everything we're talking about, we learn from God's word. Uh, Romans fifteen four. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Mm. It all works together, but it's in God's word. Yeah. Again and again, comes back to God's word, doesn't it? So we, we talked about our desires a little bit, right? Um, if we have the wrong desires, if we want instant gratification, um, if we want to control um, our lives, we're obviously going to be very impatient people. So if we're going to love God with our hearts and to be patient, that means that our desires have to be in the right place, Right? Yeah, you need to desire the right things. Don't desire instant gratification. Desire what God gives. Um, and we'll talk about how patience and contentment just kind of, they're, they're stuck at the hip because they're so uh, similar. I don't think you can be content and patient. You probably have to be some kind of super, super person, superhero, superhero in order to be not content and yet patient. Um, but patience is not just about waiting a long time for what you want. It's about wanting the right things. And if you want the right things, it'll be a lot easier to wait for them. So let's think about some, some scripture passages that talk about patience. Um, we've already heard uh, Hebrews mentioned, Romans 15 mentioned. There's a couple others that are um, pretty good passages for talking about patience. Can you think of any? Fruit of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Absolutely. What about this? Um, can you think of any biblical characters besides Jesus, I know it's Jesus, uh, who exhibit patience? Yes. Hannah. I don't remember her story. Right. I knew that. I, I went to seminary. Uh, yeah, Hannah, right? Waiting, being patient for a long time. Um, who else? Who else exhibits patience in Scripture? Job. Job. Man. He, how, how long did he have to wait and struggle with God? But he learned a lot of patience through all that. Who else? Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. How long did he have to wait to have the promised son? Joseph. Joseph waiting in, in prison. Yeah. What was that? Moses. Moses. What did he have to wait for? He had everything he wanted. What? Deliverance from Egypt. Deliverance from Egypt. Yeah. It's not in Exodus, but Hebrew says that he was in the wilderness for 40 years. He was in Midian 
hanging out in exile for 40 years. Who else? Who else exhibits patience? There's one really big one that I, I'm excited that... Did someone... Can you think of anyone who had to wait 14 years to marry the person they wanted to marry? Jacob, right? right? He waited seven whole years uh, and then got the wrong girl, <laughs> right? And instead of saying, well... I'm just going to take what I want and have it now. He says, I will wait another seven years. Yes. Yeah, he did. He had to wait a long time before he stopped looking stupid. Yeah. Imagine having to. Yeah. You could throw all the prophets in there, right? And. How, how many years did Isaiah and Jeremiah preach and proclaim the truth and nobody listened? That, is, that will test your patience, for sure. Scripture is full of people, right, who either showed patience or had to learn patience or were slapped in the face with their own impatience. And they had to deal with it. They had to learn. They had to grow. Uh, we see it all over the place. But I think you also see, right, that when there are characters who who undergo these trials um, and show patience, that they show that their, their hearts are in the right place. Their hearts are oriented towards God. Like with Jacob, like, yeah, he, he desired to be married. It's a good desire, but he didn't want to take it when he wanted it. Uh, he waited on the Lord, and he was faithful and did, did the task that was before him. You know, imagine waiting 14 years just to marry the girl you want to marry. It's pretty tough. Um, there's a couple other passages that talk about patience. Uh, James 5.8, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I think that's interesting, that patience and the coming of the Lord are actually intertwined. That what, what should we be desiring above all else? Jesus to come back. Uh, Romans 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Uh, is what Will talked about when we're talking about the difference between the worldly hope and Christian hope is worldly hope says, I want a good life that's free of suffering. Christian hope says, give me that suffering. Let's go, because I know that that's going to produce in me Good things. It's going to produce endurance. And with endurance, it's going to produce character. And with character, that's going to produce hope. So there's a few things that we can learn about patience from these passages and from these characters, uh, from these Bible stories. Right? It's anticipatory. It's, it's forward-looking. It sees the world not through the, the lens of um, give me what I want, but through the lens of this is my father's world, my life belongs to him, uh, and I therefore can be patient and wait on him uh, because he is coming. And having that forward mindset, right, it, it reminds us that we're, our lives are short. Our lives are really short. And that could either lead you, right, to be all YOLO. Like you only live once, we're going to die tomorrow, so let's party up. Um, or that leads you to say, 
well, because my life is short and because I know what's coming, um, I can be patient. And I can wait because I don't need to gratify every desire now because I don't have long to wait. It's just a short time. It feels like a long time, right? 80 years, 90 years, maybe 100 to wait for all of your desires to come true. Um, But it's really not that long compared to eternity living with God. Patience is also built through suffering, which is, you know, easy to say and hard to do. But remember, hope is not uncertainty. Hope is assurance. Um, And what Paul will go on to say in Romans 5 is, hope does not put us to shame. Another way you could think about that is, hope does not disappoint You're not going to be disappointed if you hope in the Lord. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why are you not going to be disappointed? Because you already have a down payment. You have have the gift right now of the Spirit. As the Lord saying, this is my guarantee to you that I will fulfill the rest of it. I'm good to my word. And everything that I promised I will give to you, I will. So that gives us the patience to endure suffering. Because we know it's temporary. We know it's for our good. And we have God's blessings in the middle of it. Um, so let's talk now about how we, how we live patience out. Um, and if you have the outline, you'll see that I put it into two different categories, um, patience with others and patience with God. Uh, my thinking there is when we're thinking about how we exhibit patience, there's, there's two different avenues that we are called in Scripture uh, to exhibit patience. One is with people. Um, the other is with God. So let's talk first about with others around us. How do we exercise patience uh, with people around us? What does that look like? Maybe, maybe turn it the other way. Uh, what makes you impatient? How do others test your patience? I see some smiles. We're all thinking it. When, you're, when your dang husband, you've told him four times, four times that we're going out on Friday. And Friday morning, he's like, we're, we're doing what? Right? Or, or husbands, right? You, you expect that your wife is going to do something. Maybe you come home after a long day. You're, you're really ready for dinner to be on the table, and it's not there. Your spouse refuses to read your mind. <laughs> totally. Right? It's for some reason, your spouse can't read your thoughts. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? Right? The, I know all you all married are like, huh? What's... You'll find out. Don't worry. Um, what about when your friend says something about you behind your back? What about when 
you really hope and want something, you've been praying for it, um, and then somebody comes along and kicks over your sandcastle. Maybe that's too vague, right? Or, or someone ruins something that you've been working for. Someone else gets the promotion that you wanted. Someone else gets the girl that you wanted. Uh, there's lots of different ways that we could be patient with others, be more patient with others, but there's, there's two ways that we, need to, that we need to focus on when we're talking about patience. Uh, first is forgiveness. Because patience understands that those people around you, your, your husband, your wife, your kids, um, your friends, your buddies, patience understands that they are broken, that they are sinful. Um, and that they're actually pretty ugly. That however together we may have it on the outside, all of our hearts are dark and ugly with sin. And patience understands that. And because patience understands that, patience knows that the people around you are going to fail, that they're going to sin against you, that they're not going to be perfect. They're going to hurt you. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to look at them after they've just sinned against you and say, well, I'm not going to forgive you because I'm really hurt? But I think patience forces us to say, I need to forgive. I need to have grace because they're just as broken and sinful as I am, and I'm no better than they are. Right? And maybe we get into the mindset where I'll, I've, I've forgiven you like eight times, and you did it again. But how many times can we forgive somebody before we're allowed to lose our patience? What does that verse say? How many times shall I forgive my brother? And Jesus says, Basically, 100 billion trillion times. So many times that you're going to lose count. That's how often you should forgive. The same person for the same sin. Because if we don't, God will forgive us. Right. That's exactly what Jesus said. Yeah. And we could do a whole thing on forgiveness. And, well, what about the scenarios where someone is not repentant of their sin? Um, because I don't want to communicate that patience means you have to, you have to forgive somebody even if um, they are trying to kill you. Right? That's, that's not what Scripture calls us to do. But Scripture does say that if someone <laughs> commits the same sin for the same time, for the one billionth time, and still comes and says, I've messed up, please forgive me, you need to forgive them and be patient. Because... Um, we lose, our, we lose our patience most often, I think, uh, because we had expectations uh, that were not fulfilled. We expected something from somebody, and they didn't live up to that expectation, um, and therefore we are legally allowed, and we can do whatever we want. We can yell. We can be angry. We can be upset. We can refuse to forgive them uh, because they didn't live up to our expectations. And the problem is, 
right? If you're smart enough, you know to cloak those expectations with Christian language. You know to say, well, you're not loving me like Jesus loves. You're not leading me, or you're not submitting to me, or you're not doing the things that God told you to do. And we know how to, how to poke. But in reality, it's our own expectations. It's our standard that has been violated. And because we think we're God, it's our place then to condemn. And this happens all the time. Right. We realize that in our own selves, we can be more patient with others. Yeah. Right. If your expectations are, well, they are going to fulfill my needs, right? Desires of the heart. If they're going to fulfill the desires of my heart and they don't, obviously we're going to say, well, you did not give me what I wanted. Um, and what scripture says is, well, if you're desiring God, if you're desiring the right things, that means your expectations will be in the right place. Um, and that means that your patience will flow a lot more easily because you're not expecting them to be God for you. Your spouse is not going to save you. Getting married will not fix all your problems. Having a kid is great, but it's going to test your patience. And all the things of our lives that we wish we had will not satisfy us. I know you all want a yacht like I want a yacht. It will not fulfill you. Um, and that means that when we're talking with other people, when we're interacting and having relationships, that our expectations have to be conformed to what God wants. Um, and that is going to flow into our patience because we're going to understand that they are on the way, that they are not sinless people yet that we are all pilgrims who haven't reached the goal yet. And so when we look into each other's lives, yeah, we're going to see sin. Yeah, people are going to hurt us. Yeah, they're going to break our expectations. But there are people trying to love God and live life who are sinful just like we are. And another, another aspect of patience with others, um, man, it's already 1040. Uh, you guys need to stop talking so much. You're taking up all the time. Um, some of you probably don't need to hear this. Some of you may need to hear this, uh, but be patient with yourself too. Patience is not just about others' expectations. It's about the expectations you have for yourself. If you are expecting perfection from yourself, and again, I don't think this is everybody, but for those perfectionists who expect perfection, if that's what you expect from yourself, and obviously you're going to break your own expectations, what are you going to do? You're going to condemn yourself. You're going to hate yourself. Don't do that. Be patient with yourself because you are also a sinner, a pilgrim on the way, and that God is still working, and that you don't have what you want yet, but patience with God. This is the second. I'm just going to blow through. I'm sorry, guys. Patience with God means that we have to wait on him. Uh, Psalms talks about this all the time. We need to wait on God uh, because 
God is not going to give us all the things that we want just because we asked for them. Even if you've asked a thousand times, God is not going to answer that prayer simply because you want it. And so that means that you have to conform your desires. You have to say, your will, Lord, not mine. Um, And you have to trust him and wait. That, yeah, you may want a good thing. You may want healing. You may want a a relationship that is broken to be restored. You may want that thorn in your side gone. You may want victory over a particular sin, and you've been praying for it. But you need to wait on God. Because it's the same thing. If you have expectations that God is going to do something or that your life is going to look a particular way because you're a Christian, maybe you need to take those expectations back to Scripture. So what are the, the vices associated with patience? Uh, we're talk, we've talked every week about how we could miss the target in a couple of different ways. Um, to show you what, how I think about this, when I think about what a vice is, I think either the lack of or the excess of or the misdirection of. So a lack of patience would be something like impatience or being a con- a con- condemnatory, being a person who condemns a lot. Um, Somebody who consistently seems to be discontent with others, impatient with others, um, has expectations and standards that just seem to always be broken, um, and then they feel justified in condemning everybody around them. That is a, a deep lack of patience a deep lack of trust in God, a deep lack of having the right desires. Uh, But then what about the excess of or the misdirection of? Can you be patient in the wrong way? The answer is yes. Think to Proverbs. Think about all the times that it says that the wicked lie and wait for the righteous. That, That struck me as, wow. I never thought about the, the patience of the wicked. Because normally we think that wickedness is impulsiveness, that those are the same thing. But actually, Scripture says that there are those who have this vice of they are patient, and they, what's, what's the word? Uh, premeditation. They premeditate on the things they want and build a plan about how to get there. And they are patiently waiting in order to seize it for themselves. And usually that means to the, the harm of somebody else. Lying in wait, patience towards twisted ends. Uh, it's worth thinking about that more, I think, as we think about our own lives. Just because you're, you're waiting for something doesn't mean that what you're waiting for is the right thing or that you're waiting for it in the right way. But I think ultimately we have to look at the character of God and see that our patience, um, it doesn't flow from us. If we were left to our own devices, we would not be patient people. We would be impatient. We would be extremely angry with each other all the time. Um, We would be completely driven by our desires and uh, the church would be a messy place. And it is a messy place because we're all of those things. Uh, But because of the grace of God and because of the spirit 
that God has given us. Uh, he is the reason and the source that we actually have patience and that the church is a place of, of fellowship and joy despite the sin and despite the brokenness, that forgiveness is possible. Possible because Jesus Christ died on the cross. If you want to talk about patience, how excruciatingly long must that time on the cross have felt? Abandoned by God and waiting to die. That's the patience of Jesus because his, his heart was directed on the right thing. It's directed on God and is directed towards you. That he was patient because he knew that he was doing it not for himself, but he's doing it for you. To save you and forgive you of your sins uh, and to give you hope that you can actually have joy and contentment and wait patiently for when he'll come back. And so when he comes back, it feels like it's, it's going to be forever, but it could be today. It could be tomorrow. And when he does, everything that we want, that we truly want, all the brokenness that we feel will be gone. Uh, and we'll get to rejoice with him in heaven. That's worth waiting for. So may he give us those hearts that desire him, willing to wait on him, uh, and content in the moment. Why don't we pray um, and close up our time. Almighty Father in heaven, we confess that we are impatient. We're impatient with each other. We're impatient with you. We're even impatient with ourselves. Lord, consistently we put up wrong expectations of each other and of you. Lord, we condemn each other because we didn't give each, we weren't God for each other. We desire the wrong things. Order our hearts, Lord. Lead us towards the rock of living water. Satisfy us uh, with your grace and with your life. And may you give us patience to wait and to endure uh, the sufferings of the present moment uh, because the hope of glory that we have is, is far surpassing all the sufferings of this current age. Guide us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.